welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Well, God is good, and uh, Tony you know, showed his, some of his photographs. I thought I'd show you some of mine. And we had a very interesting thing uh, happen last Saturday of last weekend, just eight days ago, and uh, our church literally is on fire. And there's, I think there's a photo up there coming. That's it. That's our church. Last Saturday, I got a phone call about four in the afternoon, and one of the guys rang me and said, Pastor, the church is on fire. And I said, yeah, I know the church is on fire. He says, no, it's on fire. I said, you're kidding. He said, no. And I said, is there a fire brigade there? And he says, yes. I thought, it's serious. And so by the time I got there, it was all over. And that was about five minutes in. Six million dollars of damage is totaled. It's gone. And uh, to God be the glory. Because we'll be able to do it all again. And... Uh, Next time, we'll make a few changes. We're actually going to increase. We're going to finish our final stage, and we'll be able to put our 2,000-plus seat auditorium on the back. That's the plan. And uh, so we've just been meeting in the foyer that seats up to 700 people. That's what you see literally on fire right there. And uh, so it's quite a, quite a journey that we're on right now, as you can imagine. And so out of that tonight, I just thought I'd share a message on how to handle crisis, if that's all right with you. How to handle crisis. Because Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. Now, I just want to encourage you this evening, because we all experience, have experienced, or will. And I don't mean to be prophetically negative or anything like that, but the fact is, Jesus said, you will have tribulation. And we all do experience and will experience crisis. Some little crisis, some major crisis. But there are some principles that I believe that we need to lay hold of, that when we experience crisis, and there are people even tonight, as I share this word, you're going to say, man, I need that, because you are in crisis mode right now. This is a word for you. But those of you who, you know, life is just cruising well, fantastic. But grab these principles because there will be a season in your life that you'll remember this and you'll just lay these things out and it'll take you through whatever crisis comes your way. And so this evening, there are three things I want to just share about crisis. And it comes out of Hebrews chapter 12 and in verse 2. Hebrews 12 verse 2 The writer of Hebrews said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. There are three things right there of how to handle crisis. Of course, the greatest crisis of all of of creation, all of eternity, was the gap between heaven and earth, that God was separated from mankind, and and he was looking for a way to bridge that gap. It was a, a great crisis, and of course, the answer was Jesus. And so we can learn some principles here, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, whom for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Three things I want to share with you tonight of how to handle crisis that is actually taking us through the current crisis we are living. Number one is to keep your focus. Whenever you are in crisis, keep your focus. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on his grace. Keep your eyes on his love. Keep your eyes on his plan. Keep your eyes on his answers. Keep your eyes on Jesus, looking unto Jesus. When you hit crisis, look to Jesus. Keep your focus. Now, 
the devil wants to throw two of his greatest tactics to trip you short of God's plan for your life. And that is discouragement and distractions. They are the two major tactics of the enemy. And in times of crisis, he wants to discourage you and he wants to distract you. But it's important that we keep our focus and refuse to allow discouragement to touch our spirit. You know, I've been in ministry now for almost 35 years. And over that time, I've seen so many people experience crisis. Some people use it as a stepping stone that will take them higher in their place before God. And others see it as a stumbling block. And I believe it's simply this, is that many times people allow a spirit of discouragement to come upon them. Instead of looking to Jesus, they look upon the circumstances. They look upon what's happening around them. And they say, poor me. And they allow a spirit of discouragement to, to come into their spirit spirit. And so they lose their hope, they lose their joy, and they lose their peace. Why? Because they no longer were looking to Jesus. And tonight, so when discouragement comes, the very first thing to do is to learn to encourage yourself. You might say, well, I need encouragement from others. And yes, there's a place from that. I need encouragement from God. Yes, there's a place for that. But the most powerful place to receive encouragement is from yourself. When David was going through crisis, when he saw Ziglag burned by fire, and his own men turned against him, and all the women and children were taken off along with their possessions. It says that David went away, and there was no one there for him. What did David do? He went and encouraged himself in the Lord. And when you go through times of crisis and discouragement would try and touch your spirit, learn to encourage yourself in the Lord by laying hold of God's dream, reminding yourself of God's promise, because when you are born again, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, right there and then you had a dream or a picture of your future. And you know what vision is? A vision is a picture of your future that gives you passion for living. You see, if you do not have passion for living, it's because you've lost your dream. And there are so many believers today that have no passion in life, no passion for living, because the enemy has come and robbed them of their dream. And as a result, they've lost their passion because they haven't learned the art of encouraging themselves in the Lord. And tonight, if you're having a a, a struggle with passion and you're feeling that discouragement has touched your spirit and your life, encourage yourself in the Lord. Remember, God's got a plan. He's got a promise. He's got a purpose. He's got a destiny for your life to fulfill and begin to encourage yourself. You know, in Psalm 8 verse 3, it's one of the most, these are some of the the principles I build my life upon. And in Psalm 8 verse 3, David writes, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers and the moon and the stars, which you have ordained. Now, there's a great thought of God ordaining the heavens and the earth, and you don't have to worry about the sun rising tomorrow because God's ordained, you know, the the heavens, the earth, the planets, the tides, the moon, the sun, everything is a beautiful, within perfect precision throughout the universe. We don't have to worry about an asteroid hitting the earth, regardless of what Hollywood tries to put in your mind. You know, I want to say that the Bible says that God has ordained the heavens and the earth. But then we see in Psalm 37 and verse 23 that the steps of a good man are ordered. Now that word ordered is the same word as ordained by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordained by the Lord. You know, God has seen your life before you were even born. He's got a plan, a purpose, and a destiny. And when 
when tragedy or crisis hits your life, it does not take God by surprise. In fact, he doesn't turn to Gabriel and say, oh my gosh, Gabriel, what are we going to do with Ian now in Coast Life Church? Look what just happened. God doesn't see it that way. He knew exactly. My steps are ordered by the Lord. Yours are ordered by the Lord. He delights in our way. And when crisis comes, we have a conviction that God, you've gone before me, that you've got grace, you've got strength, you've got provision, you're making a way through this. And so I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to keep looking to Jesus, his plan, his destiny, his purpose, because the enemy will try and get you discouraged and to distract you from keeping your eyes on Jesus. And tonight, if you have allowed discouragement to touch your spirit, I'm here to encourage you to fix your eyes. It's not too late. It's not over. You're not too old. You haven't made too many mistakes. God's got a wonderful plan that he's going to continue to outwork, but it's dependent on keeping your eyes on Jesus. You know, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those who, what? Love God. Loving God is keeping your eyes on Jesus and those who are called according to his purpose. And understanding that God has a purpose, a destiny, a plan for us to outlive in our lifetime. And the key is keeping our eyes, keeping our focus on Jesus. So discouragement will come. You learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. But then distractions is the other thing. You know, if the devil can't make you bad, he will make you busy. And we live in such a time of, there are so many distractions. There is so much demand on our time, our commitments, and our priorities. But you know, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. And so as we seek first, as we keep our eyes on Jesus, the reason people, Christians I'm talking about, have stress, burnout, and just have a very difficult time in life, it's because people are doing things that God has never called them to do. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because he gives us the grace and the energy and the strength to do what he's called us to do. And so when crisis comes, it's so easy to get distracted from your call. To get distracted from the God's purpose in your life. You know the reason I'm here tonight, and not with our church in the Central Coast, is because I'm not going to be distracted from God's call. And, uh, you know, I already had this weekend planned and booked in, and we've got an amazing team, and we've been meeting with our church, and we've got things in place, but I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to, you know, this week, we've had so many decisions, so many, so many things to take care of, but I'm not going to get distracted from the main thing. And I've empowered, we've dealt, we've got a great group of people, and one of the things I've noticed with pastors particularly that burn and wear themselves out is because they're carrying loads that God has never called them to carry. And I refuse to allow to distractions to get me so busy that I'm just running from morning to night, from meeting to meeting, and this thing and that thing, and just wear myself into the ground and doing things that God has never called me to do. God has graced others to carry those loads. I've learned to empower and release and take comfort that God is working all things together for good. And so the message, my word tonight is, if you have been distracted, Moses was distracted. Moses was discouraged. You look through the, the heroes of the Bible, they all went through those tests, but then God brought them back to that burning bush experience. He brought them back where the word of God came back to them a second time. And then they learned some lessons along the way and they went forth in strength. And so tonight, 
Even if you've lost your focus, it's time to refocus tonight. It's time to turn your life, surrender to Jesus, pick up the plan, pick up the destiny, pick up his calling, sow yourself into the kingdom of God and say, Lord, I refuse to lose my focus through the crisis times of my life. Do I hear a good amen? Amen. The second thing is to keep your faith. Keep your faith. Because it says that looking to Jesus, he's the author and the perfecter of our faith. You know what the devil wants to rob you of is your dream. He, because it says that faith is the evidence of things hoped for. And when people lose their dream, the devil doesn't attack your faith, he attacks your dream. And that's why by faith, he's the author. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And so when crisis comes, we can choose one or two ways. We can either respond in faith that, God, you're in control. We're going to go through this. Or you can react in fear. Oh, my life is out of control. What's happening? My God, my God, I've been working so hard and I had it all planned out and all worked out and it's not working the way I thought it was going to work. My life is taking a turn, but, you know, a bend in the road is not the end of the road. And there will be bends. There will be unexpected crises. Because we live in a broken, imperfect world, but God has this promise, I'm going to work all things together for good. You know, I spoke to earlier about Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. And it says, though he falls, though a crisis comes, he will not be cast down. And God has this promise that we can have faith and confidence that Jesus is the author, the perfecter, as we keep our focus, our eyes on him, and we keep our faith in God's promise, God's word, that God is going to take us through and we're going to see God break through in amazing ways. You see, the Bible is filled how God has advanced his purposes in times of crisis through his people. You know, Joseph, he had a dream, he had a vision. But then for the next 30, 13 years, he went through crisis. He was betrayed by his brothers. He was falsely accused by Potiphar and his wife. He was forgotten in the prison. But you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a, a suddenly moment, he was released from the pit and put into the palace. He was taken from the prisoner and put as prime minister. And in Genesis 50, when his brothers came and bowed down before him, he said to them, what you meant for evil God meant for good. And friends, he kept not only his focus on his dream and the call of God, but he kept his faith that, God, you're going to work all things for good. Don't allow bitterness. Don't let resentment. Don't allow unforgiveness to touch your spirit. Because the devil wants to rob you of your dream. He wants to rob you of your vision. He wants to rob you of your destiny. And tonight, if you've allowed your faith to drop and you've taken on perhaps hardness of of heart and you've felt let down and disappointed perhaps towards God perhaps towards leaders perhaps towards people that you trusted you felt they were always going to be there for you you may have been falsely accused you may have been betrayed you may have been let down but friends we've got to keep our faith on on Jesus keep our focus keep our faith the goodness of God God is working all things for good God is good don't blame God for the devil's handiwork. And what I discovered that many times believers, they start getting angry at God. Instead of putting their faith in Jesus, they allow fear to enter and resentment touches their spirit. 
And, you know, the Bible tells us that the thief is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus is the one that gives us life and life abundantly. And so when we saw this fire, these guys, one of my guys about four o'clock last Saturday, called me and said, Pastor, the church is on fire. So as I got in my car and drove towards the church, I saw this column of flames and fire just going way into the sky, like a kilometer. It was a perfectly calm day. And it just went right up into the heavens. My first response was, I think it's the glory cloud. That's faith speaking. But you know, as I, as I arrived on the scene, there was chaos and confusion. The police had blocked off the road to our church. They weren't letting anyone in. And uh, there was fire trucks, 13 fire trucks in attendance. There was ambulance. There was police. There was crowd control. There was chaos. The streets were all banked up for kilometers around. And it was just mayhem. And as I just walked onto that scene, my, my daughter, my eldest daughter, Shady, 25 years of age, she ran over and she was just physically moved. She was upset. And, and she said, Dad, Dad, what are we going to do? At the same time, there was one of our guys who was in the fire and he came out, one of our leaders in the church, and, and, and he was just kind of in a place of shock. And I just put my arms around both of them and said, hey, it's okay. It's only a building. We can rebuild. Because you see, the building is not the vision. It houses the vision. You can burn down a building, but you can't burn down the vision. And soon as they saw that, the young people that were in the building, they saw that, they felt, ah, oh, it's okay. Pastor's here. He's not, he's not falling apart. Can you imagine if I just walked into that scene, oh, oh my God, what are we going to do now? 13 years of work. What are we going to do? What do you think you're doing? Man. But that's how some people live. I spoke with our leaders on, on uh, Wednesday night. I said, how I, these, these are convictions I'm sharing, what I base my life on. But I said, how do we internally, how do, how do I process shock? How do I identify? And I, and I shared these three. I said, there's, there's always, there's, there's the facts, there's the faith, and there's the feelings. And some people, when shock hits their life, they're ruled by their feelings and their faith falls apart. They're not interested in the facts. So their life is just ruled by, by feelings. And they'll make bad decisions. You know, some people, they, they, they just go what I call into the super spiro mode of faith. They're not listening to facts. They just go, oh, God is good, God is good, God is good. And, and, they, and they go into this unrealistic, super spiritual kind of, you know, but, but, but we, it begins with getting the facts established. And when I walked into Chetwin Road, I didn't know the extent of the fire. And I thought, well, I want to get the facts. So I had all these hysterical people. I said, it's okay. It's okay. But as I walked around and I saw the building ablaze like that photograph, I thought the facts are we're going to have to find another place for church tomorrow morning. That's the pastor talking right there. That's the facts. So I said, Paul, get on the phone to the Crown Plaza. Let's get their grand ballroom. We're going to have church there tomorrow. And we did. Get that organized. Get that happening. But then that's the facts. But then the, but then the facts are, God, you've got a promise. You've got to call over our church. Lord, you've called us to build a church of 10,000 people on the central coast. You've called us to influence 300,000 people with a message of faith, hope, and love in Jesus. You've called us to bring influence, to change the lives of our community, and to have significance in the nations of this world. That's the facts. And so once I got the facts established, then I knew how to release my faith. 
I knew what to dig into and allow God to, to uh, cause me to stand strong. But I had to get the facts first. You see, that's how you get saved. That's how you come to Jesus because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You got saved by hearing the facts that God loves you. He paid a price for you and faith entered your heart, but you heard the facts first. Then faith entered. You confess Jesus as your Lord, but you know, then feelings followed. You know, there's the joy of salvation, the joy of my guilt, my shame taken away. And, and, and so, you know, feelings has a place also when you're going through shock. And so on the, on the Monday, I returned with the forensic police and uh, the assurance assessors and these heavy-duty guys. And we had a sign-in. They shut. It's a crime scene. Any fire over a certain amount, they taped. It's all, you know, they got guards, the whole deal. Had a sign-in. And I let them go ahead a bit. And I just walked up to the building. And I kind of walked up to our front doors, and, and there are all the seats all laid out, ready for the next service, except they're all burnt. They're just little metal frames. And the roof had all caved in and still smoldering over here. And I looked up at my office, which is just no longer existent, and some of my best sermons went up in smoke. So I've got to write some new ones. That's okay. And so, but I looked in there, for, but, but then my feelings kicked in. And I started to think about all the sacrifice, all the blood, sweat, and t- people who had actually laid their lives down to see. And you, you guys have been building a house. You know what's required. And for a, a few minutes, tears began to flow. And I just was just allowed my feelings to grieve. I allowed my, it's grief and loss and disappointment. Touch my feelings. And that's okay. But, but I'm not ruled. I'm not led by them. The Bible says those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, not those who are led by their feelings. And there's a problem in the body of Christ today. There's so many Christians are led by their feelings instead of the facts of God's Word that grounds their faith to operate and bring their feelings into submission. I always say that you can act your way into a feeling, but you will never feel your way into an action. In other words, you will act upon God's word, and as you declare it and proclaim it, and your faith is established, feelings will follow. But if you're waiting to be led by your feelings, you will never move into an action because your feelings are unreliable. Your feelings will lie to you, they'll deceive you, and there's a place for feelings, but bring them into subjection to the Spirit of God at work in your life. Do I hear a good amen tonight? Keep your faith. And so we see with Joseph, he, he had that confidence. You meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Job, one of my heroes in the Bible, in one day he lost his family, he lost his finances, he lost his future, he even lost his friends. The only thing he was left with was a nagging wife. Talk about going through affliction. But it tells us in Job 42 that at the end of Job's days, or it was actually about nine or ten months after that initial trial, it tells us that the Lord restored Job's loss and gave him twice as much as he had before. Double for his trouble. When you go through crisis, keep your faith in Jesus and you expect double for your trouble. I've been talking to our church that one of the things that God really challenged me about was actually Andre Olivia at Edge Conference. And Andre said, oh, you know, progressive churches spend anywhere between 10 to 25% of their budgets on advertising. And we spent about 
half a percent on Avatar. And I really felt challenged that we actually need to make Jesus famous. And so I've been praying about creative ways for advertising. I could not pay for the amount of advertising that we've had in the last week, let me tell you. Everybody on the Central Coast knows we're there. And you know, we're going to make sure they're going to keep knowing we're there because every milestone, every victory, every time we see an advancement, we're going to let the media, the press, the newspapers know what God, we want to make Jesus famous on the Central Coast. Double for your trouble. The devil picked the wrong person when he took on Yvonne and myself. Keep your faith. But the final thing, is to keep close to your family. Keep close to your family. In Hebrews 12 verse 2, it says that Jesus, setting your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of your faith, and it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Keep close to your family. What was the joy that Jesus had that enabled him to endure the cross, which would be the most horrendous concept you could possibly ask the Son of God to take on the sin of humanity, to take on the burdens, the sinfulness, the shame for all of creation. Every demon in hell came and heaped the, the vulgarity upon him. I know that's a word, but I just made it up. They heaped it up. It was, the Bible says it was dark as Jesus was there at three in the afternoon on the cross, and I believe the darkness that covered the earth was a demonic oppression of the powers of darkness come to mock and to scorn to the point that Jesus took on the sinfulness, the shame, the sickness of a broken human race that even the Father himself had to turn his back on his own son where Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What cause Jesus to endure the cross. The joy that was set before him was that his blood would be shed, that you and I would be brought into the family of God. The family of God. The price has been paid. That God is our father. We are now brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we go through crisis, keep close to your family. Tragically, so many Christians, when they go through crisis, Instead of running to the family of God, they run from the family of God. And they'll start blaming and accusing and go through this victim mentality. And God doesn't want us to have a victim mentality. He wants us to have a victor mentality. Stay close to your family because God actually uses our church family. And it's great to have flesh and blood family. And some of us have got very close families. I love Pastor Tony's family's in the church. Awesome. And I know they'd all take a bullet for him because they're family. But you know something? As close as blood family is, there is a spiritual blood of Jesus that causes us to be one in heart, one in spirit, and that we are there for one another. And there are times in our life we have to allow the family, God's family, to encourage, support, love us, and lift us up in our hour of need. And one of the things I felt God say to me, Ian, learn to receive. In this season, learn to receive. Because we're always giving, we're always caring for others. But I have been literally overwhelmed by the love and support and the care from the family of God. Not just our own church. My, my team has been outstanding. 
Our leaders have been incredible. Our church family have risen. I actually started a series of teaching called Standing Strong. And I'm telling you, a church is standing strong. They are just saying what the devil's meant for heart, God's going to you know, mean for good. And that's standing strong. But the, the level of support, you know, Pastor Brian Houston, Pastor Phil Pringle, they're overseas. Pastor Danny Guglamucci was in England. And uh, I'm standing there watching the fire burn and the phone rings. Ian, it's Danny. I hear your church is burning. He's in England. I'd only been there five minutes. I said, yeah, that's right. I mean, talk about technology. Phew. But the amount of support that we've had from pastors, from churches, and one pastor rang me up and said, oh, look, our church wants to send you five grand. We know you probably need some money right now. And I thought, well, thank you very much. And I just felt God say, learn to receive. Learn to receive. And sometimes we can be too proud to receive. We can think, oh, no, I'll do it almost. No, no. God gives us his family to love us, encourage us. And the amount of encouragement, support, and emails, phone calls, it's just been, can I say, overwhelming. I didn't realize how many people knew us around the world, around this nation. It's just incredible. And in times of crisis, God uses his family to love on you. Stay close. To his family. In Psalm 68, verse 6, it says, God sets a solitary in families. You might say, Well, I'm in the family of God global. Uh uh. Wrong answer. You see, Israel, though it was a great nation, it was set in 12 tribes, which is separated into all the different families. And their genealogy they protected because they knew that their family would always be there for them. And God has set the members of his body in families. And that is the local church. The Bible says in Psalm 92, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And it says that even in, in, uh, in their latter years, that they'll continue to bear fruit because we are planted in the house of God. And so God wants us to be planted. You know, can you just picture this? You say, well, I'm a basketball player. I, you know, I've got the, the Reebok sneakers. I've got my good basketball, and, and I've got my shorts and uniform. I'm, I'm a awesome. I can, I can shoot hoops from anywhere. In the, I'm just amazing. Okay, what team are you in? Well, I'm not in a team, but I'm a great basketball player. Or a soldier. Well, I've got the latest bazooka. I've got the latest flat jacket. I've got the, I've got the gear. You know, it's like Calvin Klein designed a flat jacket. I, I've got all the gear. I've even got the Rambo band around my head. I mean, I've, I've, I mean... Give me a battle, I'm ready. Oh, what, what, uh, what platoon are you involved with? You know, what? well, I'm not. I'm just a soldier. Hmm. Or a Christian. Well, oh, I love Jesus. Great. What church are you involved with? Oh, I'm in the family of God. Yeah, but what church are you involved with? Well, well, I'm not. Well, I've got a word for all of those three examples, and that word is ineffective. Ineffective. You might be a Christian, but you'll never be an effective Christian. You might be a basketball player, but you'll never be an effective basketball player. You may be a soldier, but you'll never be an effective soldier. God sets the solitary in families. And I want to say this is a great family of God. And you can find safety and comfort. And, the, and, the, and the, keep close to your family because it's in the times of crisis. They will love you. God will use them to encourage, to strengthen your hands, and to cause you to rise above whatever challenge is before you. The key is stay planted. Stay close to your family. And friends, no matter what crisis that you encounter in life, whatever you may be going through right now, whatever the future may have for you, 
These are convictions that I live by. And that is simply, number one, keep your focus. Number two, keep your faith. And number three, keep close to your family. And you watch God turn it around for good. You watch God give you double for your trouble. You watch God be glorified in it because we put our confidence in Him. We put our trust in Him. We put our strength in Him. This evening, whatever you are experiencing in life, whatever crisis may be touching your life right now, I want to say, Jesus knows, Jesus cares. He's able to deliver you. He's going to lift you up. And this evening, I believe that this word, it's for each and every one of us. Because crisis comes, crisis goes. But you know, the key is our response. It'll either make us bitter or better. It'll either be a stepping stone to something greater in God or a stumbling block that'll hold us back. And you know, tonight there are people here that have lost their dream. There are people here that have stalled what I call their timeline of destiny. You've allowed disappointment to come, discouragement to come. You've allowed distraction to come. Well, tonight, God wants you to turn it around. He wants you to hand it over to Him. And tonight, reconnect with His plan. Begin to seek first. Some of you have just been at arm's length because of the crisis in your life. And you haven't understood. And, you know, frankly, I don't understand everything. The Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly places. So we don't understand what's happening behind what's happening in our life. But what I do understand is that God is good. What I do understand, I'm going to keep my focus, I'm going to keep my faith, I'm going to keep my family, and it's all going to turn for good. And this evening, if you need to make adjustments tonight, if you need to let some things go, if you need to return to your first love, I believe tonight there are people here that, you know, you're holding resentment because of crisis in your life. And you've been hurt, you've been let down. People that should have been there, and you've trusted, but they've betrayed you, they've disappointed you. Well, tonight, you need to forgive them. And you know what forgiveness is? It's tearing up the IOU. It's tearing up the offense. It's letting it go. Because how can I do that? It's very simple. God has forgiven you and me of so very, very much. So then how can we dare hold offense or unforgiveness to others who may have really put the knife in in times of crisis? I've been there. You've been there. Guard your spirit. Keep your focus. Keep your faith. Keep close to your family. But tonight, I believe there are people that God's wanting to deal with some deep issues in your life. Some of you have lost your dream tonight. You've lost that vision. And you've had it because if you recall when you were saved, you go back to the place, your first encounter with Jesus, the joy, the hope, the anticipation of, of the great plan that God has for your life, that was of God. And the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob you. He's going to try and take your dream from you. But friends, we need to encourage ourselves. Tonight, God's wanting you to return to that place and saying, God, I want to get back to that place of focus. I need to go back to that place of faith. And if tonight, if you're disconnected from the family of God, perhaps you're just, you know, attending, you're just sort of checking things out. You just, it's time to lean in. It's time to connect. You know, I love this pathway that you can get engaged and involved. It's open for everyone. I love the spirit of welcome that's in this church. They work very hard to make people feel connected. I can see that. They make very hard. You know, they've got a friend that you can have a nice coffee every time you come. To, Thank you very much. You know, there are people that are going to love you. And there's a pathway for you to get involved and engage and build relationships and be connected. And, and friends, it's because they want to extend their arm around you. That is God is connecting and calling people into his family. 
there's a welcoming spirit. And you can feel safe. You can feel loved. You can receive God's encouragement. You can reconnect to God's plan and dream and vision for your life. And I do have a conviction that you will abort God's vision if you try and do it outside of the context of your commitment and love for the house of God. You see, Jesus loved the church so much, he laid his life down for it. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. We need to love what God loves and he loves his church. We need to speak well of his church, speak well of one another, promote unity, to promote blessing. All the churches in the city of Adelaide, they all have different flavors and we're not there to judge, criticize or analyze. We're here to love God, love people, love his church. And everyone's got their place. Everyone's got their flavor. And we need to encourage them. We're not elitists. We're not better than anyone else. We're just in love with Jesus. And this is who you are. And, and you welcome people to engage and be a part of, of a great, great future. And so this evening, if you're just kind of checking things out, can I say it's time to actually engage. It's time to actually take that step forward, lean in and say, I want to be a part of a church family that's moving forward in the things of God. And what I want to do right now, I want to pray for a few needs because I believe that there are people that are experienced crisis that the Holy Spirit really wants to minister to you tonight. Can I for a moment just ask us to bow our heads in prayer and I just want to just open to the Holy Spirit right now. Father, I just thank you for these beautiful people. Lord, although it's a crowd, we're all individuals. And Lord, tonight you see exactly where each one of us are and Lord, your call and your purposes. And Father, I just pray if there are stumbling blocks, if there are areas in our life that is holding us back from engaging, Lord, the the great plan and the dream that you have for our life, that tonight that we'll surrender, that tonight we'll come and, and look to you, that tonight we'll come and lay it all before you, that tonight we'll come and allow the Spirit of God to do business with our heart. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.